Hey, what's up, everybody? It is another episode of the Snipe and Sully podcast, FTF Media's guide to anything and everything happening on the ice. I'm your host, Mark, and I'm joined once again by my awesome line mates. The whole crew is here this evening. Haley, Lauren, and Mike all joining us. How's everyone doing this week? Wonderful. Pretty good week. I possibly up for a promotion. Should know by the next time we record, hopefully. So it's an interesting week. Things are going well here. Um, COVID is that is running roughshod through my office, but other than that, um, it's and things are going well. Yeah, I think everyone can uh, sympathize with that, Mike. Uh, yeah, hopefully. Hopefully you and the, and the family stay uh, stay separate from uh, what's going through the office for sure. And Hales, we absolutely love to hear about the the potential promotion. We're keeping our fingers crossed for you. And yeah, it's been about two and a half weeks since we last recorded. Just you know, uh, uh, you know, people's schedules conflicting, life. Uh, so happy to get the whole crew together today. So there's a lot for us to uh, to go over. Lots happened since the last time we recorded. A fantastic bizarre but fantastic moment that for some reason the NHL social media just decided, hey, we're not going to have fun with this. We'll get into it. Um, but uh, lots to talk about. So stay tuned over the next hour or so to hear our thoughts on what's been going on around the National Hockey League and the hockey world as a whole since the last time we all got together. And so without further delay, let's drop the puck for our opening face-off. So Lauren, we'll start with you first. Uh, you know, anything that's come to mind for you to get our uh, our episode started? Uh, just super pumped for Willie O'Ree to finally have his number retired. Um, it's Tuesday, so the Bruins are doing it right now. Um, so it's just long time coming, obviously in, in general, and then pushed a year because of COVID. So unfortunate he couldn't be here in person, but like I said, it was a long time coming, and I'm glad that he's at least alive to be able to see it because the man's 86 years old. So um, like I said, long time coming, super excited for him. And just to finally have that number retired. I'll tell you what, he doesn't look 86. He, uh, he, he oh. looks like he's in, uh, he looks at least 10, 15 years younger than that. He looks great. He looks, it's probably from all like the nice charity he does. He lives a very positive life. He doesn't let anything get to him. Like he is, he's thriving at 86 years old. Absolutely. And as like, as Lauren said, as we speak, as we're recording on Tuesday, uh, January 18th, the Bruins are literally in the process of how they having their pregame ceremony for Willie O'Ree uh, right now. And uh, like you said, unfortunate, he couldn't attend. I know he's, uh, you know, watching virtually and hopefully the world will be in a place where someone, uh, you know, of Willie's age and, and health risk can celebrate be celebrated in person at the TD garden very soon but uh fantastic achievement long overdue to have number 22 in the TD garden rafters along the likes of uh Bobby Orr, Ray Bork, Cam Neely, uh Terry O'Reilly uh, you know uh, some tremendous names uh so you know, great great for him Mike how about yourself any opening face-off to get this episode started well I got to piggyback on that um I'm super excited for this as well and I actually was at a game a few weeks ago here in San Diego, which is the other place where Willie O'Ree's number is retired with the San Diego Gulls. Um, and he was in attendance the night after I went, but still. Um, but yeah, I'm super excited to see this happening today. And then for my own one, Tuka Rask is back in the NHL and 
tendon tendon between the pipes for the Boston Bruins, everyone. It's real. It's happening. We're back. Just a absolutely electric evening uh, for Tuka Rask's first start back in Boston, taking took on Haley's Flyers, and he looked fantastic. First time that he had played a, a, a NHL hockey game in seven months, maybe. Uh, a hockey game in general, uh, you know, didn't end up getting to play for Providence uh, in the American Hockey League because, you know, they had some COVID postponements. He had signed on a PTO down there. So he didn't even get his tune-up starts. He goes right back into uh, an NHL game, makes two, not one, but two stops on breakaways. Uh, you know, he, he looked fantastic. And, you know, as Tuca defenders, uh, we will always be on the right side of history. And, uh, you know, hopefully he can continue to help this Bruins team that is absolutely scorching hot at the moment uh, and to the delight of all of us on this show for sure. Uh, so thank you very much, Mike. Hale, so about yourself, any opening face-off uh, for you this evening? Just want to point out EA that you still have not added the PHF to NHL 22. You are doing exactly what you did in FIFA and only putting international teams. I am still going to buy it because I want to support those women's teams, but I will not buy it any years further until you add the other teams, just like I have not bought FIFA because of that. Please, we want to be able to play more than just an international tournament with women's teams. I feel like you are losing a lot of customers this way. And I know for people like me, I would rather play with the women's teams, nothing against the men's teams, but like I'm a woman. So I want to play with the women's teams. Um, and then for my second one here, um, I just want to point out, Mark, that your prediction for pasta, I'm pretty sure you just jinxed it into making it happen because the goals have been crazy. So props to you. Yeah, I've been well known to reverse jinx things into uh, existence Apparently that doesn't work anymore. And now just my regular predictions are coming true because uh, since our last episode where I predicted that despite his slow start, David Pasternak would get hot and, and finish is still over 30 goals. Uh, I may have been a bit conservative in that prediction. Uh, he's scored seven goals over the last five games. At this point, he had a hat trick uh, against Philadelphia. He, you know, it looks at this point, he actually is on a pace for 37 goals now. So uh, if he can remain hot, he has a shot to maybe reach 40. Uh, so good for Pasta. We know that he can do it. He came close to uh, scoring 50 in what ended up being a pandemic-shortened season. Uh, he was easily going to get to 50 goals. Tremendous goal scorer. Another player that Boston Bruins fans don't seem to appreciate uh, for reasons I'll never understand. So absolutely hails. And to your first point, let's put a pin on that because the uh, you know we'll, as we'll discuss in just a little bit here, uh, a some news regarding the PHF could lead to their inclusion maybe in, uh, in EA video games. So uh, we'll, we'll visit that in just a, a second. As for myself, I wanted to very quickly, because this happened just yesterday, um, you know, we talked about a, a David Poster and a hat trick, Brad Martian had a hat trick the, the night before, uh, but, you know, scoring a hat trick is one thing. Scoring five goals in a game is just absolutely bonkers. Uh, and Timo Meyer last night for the, um, the, the San Jose Sharks scored five goals in the team's uh, victory. Th that's just incredible. And of course, you know, usually when there's a hat trick, you have the picture after the game with the three pucks uh, with like masking tape around them um, with, uh, you know, with, with, you know, some writing, uh, holding up five pucks. Like it's actually hard for the human hand to hold five pucks stacked up 
at once. So that might be even more challenging than scoring the goals themselves. But uh, Timo Meyer, just a, a tremendous, tremendous achievement in that, uh, that Sharks victory. So uh, kudos to him. And then another kind of emotional, uh, you know, feel good type of story. Uh, Ryan Donato, former Boston Bruin, former teammate of Colby Cave when they were in the Bruins organization together. Um, he scored a shootout goal uh, to help lead the Kraken to a victory. Uh, and he actually was wearing a tie that day that Emily Cave had given to him that uh, that had belonged to uh, to her late husband, Colby, uh, his friend. So uh, the, the tie obviously brought him good luck. He helped the Kraken win. That was a really, really cool moment. And, uh, you know, you know, kudos to, uh, to Ryan Donato for, uh, you know, for getting that done. So fantastic. Uh, you know, some feel good stories uh, in what has been a year of not so feel good stories in hockey. But with that being said, we wanted to move on to our news segment, uh, you know, go coast to coast. And right off the bat, uh, you know, we want to talk about a topic that Haley was just mentioning um, in her uh, opening faceoff, and that has to do with the PHF, formerly NWHL. Um, fantastic news this morning as uh, the Board of Governors has pledged a $25 million investment over the next three seasons uh, that's going to go directly to the players. Uh, so I want to read about uh, uh, some of the, uh, the parts of this press release um, and, and see how good of news this is uh, for the PHF players. So essentially what we're seeing here is that the salary cap is going up by 150% next year. Um, so that's, you know, for people who aren't great at math like me, that's, that means that salary cap is more than doubling. Uh, it, it's going up like two and a half times. Um, increasing from 300,000 to uh, 750,000 per team. Um, so this, uh, this commitment from the Board of Governors is investing $25 million in direct payments and benefits to players over the next three years. Um, so uh, $7.5 million in salary benefits next year alone. The league is also expanding. Now, we had talked months ago about a report um, that had you know, come out, oh, God, almost a year ago maybe, um, that the league was adding a seventh team in Montreal, but they just never really confirmed that it had been rumored and they kind of, uh, you know, did the little dance around it when asked about it publicly. Uh, they are officially expanding to Montreal, but they're also adding an eighth team that as of the time we're recording, I don't believe that location has been reported. Um, it's, it's still up in the air, but they are, they do have plans to add an eighth team. Um, so the, the league is obviously trying to continue to, to grow and attract top talent, which is tremendous. Um, they are now planning a 28 game schedule for next season. And some of the other benefits that are, um, that are heading to the players include, uh, you know, not only cash, but also full healthcare benefits, including maternity leave, all of this being provided by the clubs. So this is starting to feel more like it could be a primary source of income uh, for these players. You know, we've talked about how you know, you have players who are teachers, they're literally working uh, their regular job and then, uh, you know, playing hockey, uh, you know, for obviously to live out their passions, but it's essentially just, you know, supplemental income for them. This seems like it could be more their profession, which is, you know, what we are always talking about these, uh, you know, professional athletes, it's their job. This seems like it could actually start to be a job for these women, which is just tremendous. Um, so there's further growth that's being uh, supported and facilitated through this eight team expansion. The bottom line is that uh, the Board of Governors is committed to continuing to invest in this these women, and that's absolutely tremendous. Um, and 
We've seen the growth since we first started even talking about um, what was the NWHL on this show. Uh, we've seen you know the uh, expansion to a new TV market. Um, you know the, with the, the deal with ESPN Plus, uh, having that uh, fantastic Isabel Cup weekend on NBC Sports. Uh, you know almost a year ago. Wow. Um, and it, it's, it's been truly fantastic to see the, the growth that this league has achieved in such a short time. And I wanted to go around to each of my line mates and get their thoughts on this because it's just a, it's a tremendous day for, for women's hockey, really. Uh, so Lauren, I'd love to start with you. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. And I think it's, um, you know, it's good things happen when you want to invest in women's sports and invest in women in general. Um, it's great. I mean, we've talked about the expansion before. I think that's great. And the, the salary cap alone, the, the money being committed to these women in the league is going to be huge long-term, not even just short-term. I mean, I know it's for the next three years, but they're going to see this like pay dividends and it's going to only help. It's probably going to help the women, you know, maybe be a little bit more motivated to play tougher and make better than they have been. Um, to continue to make sure that they get paid properly. And this is, this could be life-changing for some of them. And you mentioned that, I mean, many of them have full-time jobs. So they're nine to fivers Monday through Friday. And then they're hockey players seven days a week, um, basically two full-time jobs. So if they're able to even cut down on their full-time job to part-time or kind of work because they want to, not because they have to, is going to do wonders for their per personal and professional life too. So I'm super excited to see this uh, long time coming. And I think it's only going to set them up better for the future. Yeah, absolutely. Very well said, Lauren. Just the, yeah, the inclusion of benefits uh, really has to just feel tremendous um, and, and, you know, feel like you're supported. It's always better to feel like you're supported by uh, the entity that you work for. Uh, I know both ends of that spectrum, feeling like uh, you're supported is much, much better. So uh, just fantastic news for them. Um, and one of the other, uh, other factors involved here uh, is the ability for these women to, uh, to profit off of their likeness. That parlays uh, directly into what Haley was talking about earlier. Uh, there is the potential now for uh, for PHF players to potentially be included in EA games, you know that that this new deal really opens that door. So Hales, I know you just said something in, uh, about this in our opening faceoff, but what does that this news mean for uh, mean to you? Look, I'm I'm still going to be honest. I'm not hopeful because I don't even know how many years in a row FIFA has just disregarded that part of it and only kept the international women's teams when there is a whole like women's soccer league in the u.s that you could add in there um and have career like a career mode and stuff with women's teams but they just refuse to do it so i want it so bad for nhl you know 22 or 23 even like the the next one because that will set them apart even more than some of these other sports games too to be you know with the times and to really give these women what they deserve which we're seeing you know like you said we've been following the growth of this league and it's been incredible to just be along for the ride and see you know them being put on tv getting the deal with espn plus getting this insane cap raise that is going to do wonders and i am so excited for more teams um i'm just saying austin texas is a really great location for a team even if it's not the eighth team you know maybe nine or ten we're here i'll go to every game 
Um, but yeah, I'm just really excited. Like my hope is that if these women want this to be a full-time job, that that can happen sooner rather than later. You know, some of them may enjoy also coaching on the side, but if they can do this full time and get paid what they're, what they deserve to get paid, then that's just incredible. I was so excited to see our wonderful Snipe and Sally tweet earlier is how I caught news of it. Um, so I was really, I was really happy at work today because of it. Very well said Hales. Yeah. Like it really, I know you're not getting your hopes up, but I, I really hope that this does open the door for EA to, uh, to insert PHF uh, players and teams uh, because the, this this deal does leave the door wide open for that. Um, it does allow these uh, these women to profit directly off of their image and likeness. Uh, so the opportunity is there. Uh, and given what this league has accomplished in such a short time in its aggressive expansion, I would not put it past them to get this done um, and, and provide their their athletes for more uh, you know more opportunities for additional income. I want to get Mike's thoughts on this as well, but before I do that, I just, I need to interrupt. So Willie O'Ree's number 22 just uh, was raised up to the rafters at TD garden. I had no idea. I don't, Lauren, I don't know if you had any uh, knowledge of this, uh, but Anson Carter, uh, who covers the, the NHL, um, you know, for um, uh, nationally uh, on TNT uh, and former Boston Bruin, uh, Anson Carter actually was the one who raised Willie O'Ree's number thir- uh, number 22 to the rafters. Uh, he was wearing his, his old Bruins number 33 jersey. Uh, that was really cool. That was a really cool moment. Willie O'Ree was watching from the Jumbotron as Anson Carter uh, lifted his number up to the rafters. So that was really, really cool. Uh, so again, just congrats to Willie O'Ree. Uh, and hopefully the Bruins uh, you know, score a, quite a few goals tonight in his honor. Um, but Mike, Back to you. I just wanted to get your thoughts on just a uh, really what seems like a landmark day for for the PHF and for women's hockey. I was super excited too, and I think the point that you made, Mark, is really important. I feel like these this growth is happening so quickly. I remember I haven't been on this show all that long, and I remember being able to talk about the last time that they raised that salary cap and gave these players more money, and now we're doing it again and we're not there yet at these um, athletes being paid what they are worth and what they deserve. So we need more money. They need more money. Um, But I, I do love seeing this. I love seeing the expansion, even if it isn't in Montreal, you know, no, nothing against the city. Um, But I, you know, I'm just super excited and and I don't want to, you know, just repeat after my line mates here who, who said it beautifully, but it's such a great game. The, the talent in that league is amazing. I don't know if uh, many of our listeners may have seen last night, a few of the uh, PHF superstars played in the ECHL all-star game. Um, Minnesota Whitecaps superstar, Ali Thunstrom, who I've talked about on the show a couple of times, netted a goal. And it was, you know, I mean, it just shows the level of talent that these women have and it's great to watch. And I hope that I wish them all of the good things that they deserve. Absolutely. Very well said, Mike. And uh, yeah, Allie Thunstrom, that's your girl. <laughs> she's, she uh, continues to perform. Uh, she's super, super fast. Uh, anytime you see her, she's like a burst of lightning. Um, but yeah, it's just, it really is fantastic for the league. And, you know, like you said, even expansion into Montreal, uh, you know, if there's anything better than uh, Boston 
Toronto hockey. It's Boston Montreal hockey. Very uh, very tense matchup. So we'll have to see how uh, how that shakes out when the team officially takes shape. And you know the the mystery location for that eighth team. You know we got to see where it is. Most of the the teams so far are kind of on the the east coast of the U.S. Uh, and and Canada. But you know maybe we're starting to migrate a little bit into into the central. Maybe they get uh, down in, into Haley's area. You never know. Uh, and if the league's expanding to eight teams now, you know maybe by you know, 2024, 2025, we're adding another couple teams and, uh, you know, going all over the, uh, the, the entirety of North America. So it's just a, a tremendous day for, uh, for women's hockey. But like you said, Mike, that, you know, you're probably your best point is we're not there yet. You know, we, 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 we need more funding uh, to go to this league. This is the great start, but it's not the finish line. So, you know, hopefully we continue to see more and more investment made uh, into such a great product. Moving on back towards uh, the National Hockey League. Listen, we have rarely missed an opportunity to uh, rip on the Buffalo Sabres um, for pretty much any reason, but specifically related to uh, Jack Eichel, their former captain and former player who's now a member of the Las Vegas Golden Knights. And this news comes out of Vegas uh, from you know owner Bill Foley, who was quoted just a couple days ago in saying, that he actually expects Jack Eichel back on the ice in the next couple of weeks. You know, at, at this point, we're looking at potentially early February um, for uh, maybe the first week of February for Jack Eichel to return to the ice. Now, for those doing the math at home, that makes, you know, from when we expect uh, Jack Eichel to return, that makes pretty much three months post-surgery uh, for what the Sabres continued to leak out to the media was this very, uh, you know, unheard of, very dangerous, very risky surgical procedure. Um, he's fine and he's back within, uh, going to be back within three months. So we'll wait to see how, how he looks. But this looks like just a, yet another bag fumbling by the Buffalo Sabres uh, that they just dragged their feet and started this, you know, ugly battle between you know, a player who was their captain and, you know, not allowing him to get the surgery that he wanted. It looks really, really foolish in hindsight, considering, again, he's going to be back on the ice in three months. If they had just let him have that surgery when he wanted to, he probably would have been back for the start of last season. Yeah, they, they literally fought with this guy over nothing. Uh, it was a power struggle. It was, it was really dumb. Uh, so, Lauren, number one, first and foremost, the, as we speak, the Golden Knights sit atop their division. Um, you know, they have a lot to to navigate through with long-term injured reserve uh, because unlike the Tampa Bay lightning, they're not going to try and circumvent the cap. They just have to figure out how to make the, the numbers work. Uh, but they, you know, they have to figure that out to get Jack back, uh, back onto their roster, but it looks like he's ready to go. What does this whole saga now that it seems like it's coming to a conclusion, it just seems like a slam dunk for Vegas and it just makes Buffalo look even dumber. Uh, does it not? It certainly does. I mean, what was the most telling for me was when Jack Eichel spoke last week. He said that he had the surgery that morning and then went out to dinner with his parents that night. And he was like, I spent so many days stressing and for what? For really nothing, because Buffalo didn't want him to have the, the transfusion, artificial transfusion replacement, whatever the, the technical term is. And it seemed to be the best option for him. And I mean, it, it just looks bad for Buffalo because you gave up. I mean, first of all, you trade away Taylor Hall, you get fleeced by Boston, and then you get, you're very much going to get fleeced by Vegas because uh, Jack Eichel wanted out 
or he wanted the surgery and he probably would have been happy to stay in Buffalo if he, they just said, sure, you can get your neck repaired how you want. Um, and I think, you know, as for Vegas, they're going to do whatever, whatever they have to, to get Jack Eichel on the roster. Um, he looks great. He's on, I know he's skating. Um, I don't know if he's out of the, the no contact Jersey yet, but he looks, he looks awesome. And I'm happy for him because maybe now we'll finally get to see like the Jack Eichel that we've been wanting to see for so long. He's just been trapped in Buffalo and now it's Connor McDavid's turn to get out of Edmonton and free that man. So if Jack Eichel can do it, I know Connor McDavid can do it, but um, just very excited for him. He's a fun, he's been a fun player to watch. And now we get to see him 100% healthy, hopefully on a team that he's happier with in a better environment for him mentally and physically, it's going to make a world of difference. So I'm super excited to, to finally watch him play hockey. Yeah, very well said. And yeah, it's just a, a comedy of errors continuing for the Buffalo Sabres. And like you said, it's very possible that he would have been perfectly happy to stay there in Buffalo. I know that he wasn't pleased with how uh, the, the team was doing, but you know, again, they had gotten Taylor Hall for him. Uh, he obviously got hurt right after that, but if they had just agreed on uh, you know, that course of action, it's very possible that they don't move Hall, um, that uh, you know, they're able to you know, entice him, even though he's on a one-year deal to stick around because Jack Eichel is going to be back. And, you know, maybe they're having a better season. Maybe they're competing for a playoff spot right now, as opposed to uh, plummeting out of it entirely uh, after a hot start. What it seems like a, a annual tradition for Buffalo at this point. Mike, how about yourself? This just, this just seems like it already looked, we, we talked at the time of the trade, uh, you know, back in November, we talked about how foolish this made uh, this made Buffalo look at the time. It just looks doubly worse now because initially we thought maybe he'd be back by like late March. Maybe like, you know, he could come back just in time for the playoffs. Now he's basically going to play half the season. It seems like uh, it, this seems like a slam dunk for Vegas. And it seems like Buffalo just got nothing for a, a Supreme talent. Yeah. And just, just, fumbling the ball from beginning to end and it just keeps getting worse which for me just means it keeps getting funnier it's and so you talked about whether or not maybe if he got the surgery at the end of last season or during last season he'd be playing in buffalo right now but even if they let him have it and still wanted to trade him they'd have had a stronger bargaining chip if they had a jack eichel who was ready to go in october who was who was ready to play for the team trading for him on day one you, you give up with any type of question marks, you give up some of that strength in the negotiation. And it's just, again, depressing, but hilarious to me that they would just fumble it so poorly for the, the golden Knights. They've just been such a funny story all season too, right? Because they started off and they were a little, you know, below the waterline, not really having the greatest season. Then they make the trade for Eichel and it's like, okay, maybe he'll be back after they make a playoff push. Then without him, they go crazy and they move up to the top of the, of the division. And now they've lost three games straight, but are still on top of the division. And then we get news that Jack Eichel's coming, coming back soon. And it's just like, damn, this team, they, oh gosh, hurricane goal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry. <laughs> but you know, I mean, it's just, it's just, um, you know, that team didn't need to get stronger and yet here they are. So. Yeah. That, I think that's an even better point, Mike, like you, you mentioned, 
even if the intention was still to trade Jack Eichel. Part of this, the whole, you know, bag fumbling that we talked about was that they continued to make him, uh, you know, look like he was a, a, a cancer uh, in, in their locker room. Uh, they, they made it sound like he was damaged goods. You know, if you had just uh, let him have this surgery and, uh, you know, he was cleared to, to return, then you could have gotten a heck of a lot more than you wound up getting. So that's the other side of it. Even if they were not able to mend their relationship with Jack Eichel, uh, the fact that they diminished his trade value you know, by themselves, uh, they just they don't have any sense of asset management. And it, it just this timetable being accelerated also potentially opens a door for other players to pursue this course of action. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we have the potential to see that happen uh, in, uh, in future years, hopefully you know, not common because that, you know, you never want to have players dealing with, with neck spine issues. Uh, that's the last thing you want to see, but it just, uh, it, it proves once again, that, you know, that when players can fight for uh, what happens to, you know, their, their own body, they can be in charge of their own health. Uh, it, it really is a, a huge benefit because, you know, again, team medical staffs, their, their goal is to get the player back on the ice. Uh, you know, it, it's not necessarily making sure that the player is as healthy as possible. It's making sure that, making sure that they're healthy enough to play. Um, so, you know, good for Jack for sticking up for himself and good that he's getting back on the ice. Hales, how about yourself? Any, you know, uh, thoughts on this whole, in, you know, this whole saga really coming to an end and, you know, Buffalo just having egg on their face once again? I mean, I am one that absolutely loves to see any Buffalo team look stupid. So very happy to see that. Um, but just really happy for Jack and the fact that, you know, the surgery went really well and that he's able to get back to the ice so quickly. You never want to see any player, you know, get really, really hurt, even a little bit hurt, honestly, it hurt at all, but something as serious as the neck. And so for it to be successful and for him to be able to come back so quickly. It's just, it's really good to see. And like you said, we don't want to see more of this surgery because that means people are getting hurt, but the opportunity that players can get back on the ice after it is really cool. It's kind of amazing how far we've come, you know, medically when it comes to injuries and in sports, that injuries that used to take them out completely, you know, they can get back on the ice a lot faster. Definitely. So and like you mentioned, Haley, it is we're four people right now who are definitely not fans of the city of Buffalo. So uh, seeing them take another L uh, for at least for hockey is fantastic. And hopefully they take another L on Sunday uh, on the football field as well. But that's pretty much it for our our immediate news. Um, you know, it's uh, there, there has been a lot that's happened since the last time uh, we all got together, but some of it is kind of dated. So that's really the most news we wanted to talk about, but there's still plenty of other things to discuss. First and foremost, I really wanted to talk about, at this point, this was about a week ago. So as referenced, it could be uh, a bit dated, but it's just so hilarious that I don't care. We got to talk about this anyway. Uh, and people might even note from the title of our episode that we were going to mention this. Uh, but last Tuesday night, uh, Kodak Black, who, uh, who is an, an artist, uh, a rapper, he decided to take in a Florida Panthers game. Uh, and, you know, he, he even tweeted, you know, at Florida Panthers, you know, kind of, uh, uh, you know, saying, you know, what, uh, what's going on, took a picture of him from his seats. And later on uh, in that game, 
he was videographed, uh, not videographed, that's not a word, uh, filmed, uh, what turned out to just be dancing, um, but it, it was a, a fairly pr provocative dance. There was, there was some thrusting involved, uh, which made people from the grainy footage uh, assume that, uh, that he was doing something uh, sexual. Now, prior to that, uh, that happening, the NHL had, uh, had seen his tweet and they're on social media, they, they uh, you know, said, you know, hello back. Now, after this happened, the NHL then deleted that tweet. They decided to not have fun with this whatsoever, uh, which, again, turned out to be something very innocent, just, just dancing. Uh, this, listen, this league has knows firsthand what bad PR is. Uh, they, they've seen plenty of bad press over, uh, over the, these, this last almost year uh, and for, you know, for well-deserved reasons. This, this was an opportunity to have some fun, uh, to let loose, uh, to, uh, to you know, kind of have fun with, uh, with, with a moment that was really going viral on social media. Hockey Twitter had an absolute blast with this. Uh, you know, there, there, there were so many jokes going around. It was a hilarious night to be on Twitter if you were a hockey fan. I guess, why is it that, uh, you know, as we're kind of, uh, you know, chirping amongst ourselves here, why can't this league just have fun? Uh, you know, wh why can't this league, uh, you know, embrace kind of a personality? I mean, the very next night uh, during, uh, you know, during the Bruins game on TNT, Brad Marchand was mic'd up. And, you know, he was getting interviewed by, uh, by Paul Bissonette for the game and, you know, kind of forgot where he was. And, he, you know, he said shit, uh, like, in terms of curse words, that's really, you know, far down in terms of, of being, you know, actually bad. Uh, but, you know, he said shit, which you're not allowed to say on TV, uh, you know, FCC. But, you know, the, uh, the uh, you know, TNT, the, the, the own network, uh, NHL and TNT, they had fun with it. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, Paul Bissonette, Biz Nasty, he had fun with it. Like, players have personality, embrace that. Why the NHL couldn't do this with, uh, with you know, the Kodak Black, for lack of a better word, incident, is just beyond me. Uh, so, Mike, I wanted to go to you first. You know, what were your thoughts on, again, what was a hilarious night on hockey Twitter? And you know, why can't this league just be fun? You know, show, show, a little, uh, show a little first humor, a little personality. For real. And, uh, like, even last night on Monday Night Football in the playoffs, which I still find a little odd, but they, had, they do the Manning cast, and he, he dropped in a, a shit, too. He was like, I can't, I can't hear shit. And, you know, ES Sports Center is tweeting it out about how funny Peyton Manning is. It's like, just, just deal with it. You, you put these, these people out there because people like them, because they're famous. So enjoy it. Um, I remember back a while ago, they used to always say when they, you know, up the penalties for things, they said the NFL was the no fun league. And that's what the NHL is really starting to act like right now. And I don't have a witty h you know no happiness league i don't know but like <laughs> just enjoy the game enjoy the the fun and the things that happen you know and and for me when i saw because i i had seen it on twitter a little bit before going to sleep and i was like oh that's that's interesting but you know sort of just forgot about it but then the next morning when i woke up i was sitting i remember sitting in my car waiting to go into court and I was just like scrolling through the, the Twitter thread because they, like you said, Mark, they were just having so much fun with it. And I was just dying laughing at all of the, um, 
you know, the antics around this Kodak, this Kodak moment. And um, I don't know, I thought it was fantastic. So yeah, just have fun with it. I mean, especially when you're, you're, you know, breaking out into new areas and, you know, you, again, you keep saying this hockey is for everyone, but then you got these purists who don't think that things are fun. It's fun. It's a fun sport. Yeah, absolutely. And again, like, you know, you got a man just, uh, you know, have, probably having a couple of adult beverages. He's got a, a suite. Uh, he's having some fun. Uh, it's clothed fun. I mean, like, let's, uh, let's, let's, let's relax a little bit. So, uh, you know, uh, Hales, I'll, I'll check in with you next. You know, did you see uh, this, uh, this when it, uh, it first started out? Um, and, uh, and, you know, did you have a chance to, uh, to see, see the video and, and uh, you know, you see some of the jokes that were going around on Twitter? Unfortunately, no. I'm so mad. I missed it all. Um, it, I mean, I looked it up after, but I missed all the fun on Twitter. That's for sure. So I was really mad at myself for that. I don't know what I was doing, honestly, that made me not see it because I don't know how anybody could have missed it. But I, I agree. I just think some of the things I see on social media, like uh, TikTok, especially with some of the social medias for the NFL teams is that when they're having fun with people in like the comments and stuff, people are really like appreciating it and loving it and interacting more with them. And so we want to see that from like hockey as well. You want people to interact with you in a fun way as well as on the serious matters too. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, maybe like Wendy's always gets into it with people, uh, you know, maybe you don't, uh, you know, go to the, to the route of Wendy's, which uh, sometimes seems like they push the boundaries a little bit too far, uh, especially for, you know, crappy fast food. Uh, but you know, mix it up a little bit and, uh, you know, they could have had, they could have had a lot of fun along with hockey Twitter that, uh, that Tuesday night. And I just, you know, it, it just baffles me. Like, you know, just get into it a little bit. Uh, Lauren, I know you were probably working, doing coverage that night. You were, you're always so busy. Did you have a chance to see some of these jokes that were going around? And, you know, do you just wish that the NHL would, would you know, embrace fun stuff like this a little bit more? Yeah, they absolutely should, especially after it was confirmed that it was indeed just dancing. And it was confirmed pretty quick that it was not what we all thought it was. But it was your opportunity to have some fun with it and for me, I had no idea who Kodak Black was until that day. The whole world knew who Kodak Black was after that. Um, so it was like fun publicity for him. It was good. It could have been good for the NHL, but they decided to try to just kind of sweep it under the rug, not have fun with it. And I don't know, it's like I thought it was a perfect opportunity to kind of be relatable and not be so robotic not just be a twitter account but to have fun with it make some memes out of it retweet some of your favorite um tweets or memes whatever came of it um they need to do more of it i don't know if it's a a gary bettman thing that just kind of has them across the board where it's like we're not doing anything like super duper fun i don't know if it's the florida panthers ownership or anything like that um i don't know if it was kodak black's team that was like no don't do that But at the end of the day, you had this prime opportunity to be fun, to have fun, and you didn't do it. And you had, it it was right in your hands. You had the perfect, the most perfect opportunity because everyone thought that he was getting freaky in the press box, or not the press box, the suite there. And even though that they were just dancing, it was still, the memes are endless. They're still endless. They're still funny. 
And now it's just like, it's just going to be another distant memory. Um, but they absolutely need to figure out their social media game because you have big personalities now representing your brand on TNT. You have ESPN and you need to be able to just kind of get with the times and stop being so like boomerish with your social media and just, it's going to change eventually. You might as well just do it now. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And that that's the other half of it is not only like, not just the fact that they wouldn't fully embrace it, that they deleted their tweet acknowledging that, he, that he was at the game. It's like, come on guys, what are we doing? Uh, but yeah, just again, have some personality, uh, you know, just loosen up a little bit and uh, just the NHL needs this. So, you know, just in general, like you said, Lauren, step up your social game. You know, it's always kind of annoying to see teams that are, are you know, are super fun on social media while yours just very boring and cooker cutty. Uh, that's not a word. Cookie cutter. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it's just uh, so you know, there are teams like Vegas that uh, they, they go a little bit uh, like they're just a little annoying, kind of cringeworthy. But for the most part, you know, their teams that can have fun are, uh, are are really cool to to see. So if the NHL can just step things up on social, uh, you know, things can really open up, and you can get some new fans. Uh, so, yeah, I, I've made as Haley points out, I've made a lot of words up this episode. Uh, I, I I don't know what's going on with me this evening. Uh, but uh, yeah, hopefully the NHL can step things up in the, the near future. The other thing that I wanted to, uh, to have us chirp about is the fact that uh, the all-star teams uh, for, uh, you know, for the Eastern and Western Conference uh, were announced and uh, we, we have some snubs. That's the, that's the best way to put it. We have some, uh, some players who were left off uh, the all-star teams and I think we should discuss, uh, you know, for, first and foremost, you know, from a, a Boston Bruins perspective, Brad Marchand, who has you know, 43 points in, uh, in 32 games. Uh, for some reason, he didn't make the all-star team. Uh, that, that blew my mind. Uh, you have a number of, uh, of all-star snubs uh, throughout the league. And I wanted to hear from our crew and, and, and see what they thought uh, about uh, you know, some of these players who, uh, who were omitted and, uh, and, and see what, uh, you know, what, what they think about, uh, you know, the, the process in general. Cause I still think fan voting it, yes, it is who the fans want to see, but I still think fan voting at times is a little flawed. Uh, so, um, you know, Lauren, I want to start with you first, you know, who, who do you think about uh, some potential snubs from the all-star team? And, you know, do you think that the process in general is, uh, needs to be overhauled? Maybe you have uh, a good component of it be, uh, you know, uh, players selected by their peers. Yeah, I hate fan voting. I think it's dumb. I think it, I hate, like, I like that they can involve the fans, but I don't think that should be the deciding factor in who gets to go. Um, if fans, they can have some say in it, but when you don't have people, well, I know Nazim Kadri ended up being a last man in, but when he's not on the original roster, um, and then you have Marshan, Charlie McAvoy, it just, it's like, I want to say it's criminal, but I'm being very dramatic there, but Brad Marchand's one of the elite players in this league. Like you said, he's got 43 points in however many games. He's not slowing down. He's doing it now with a broken nose, and his poor nose is taking a beating lately. Um, and McAvoy is just really coming to be an elite defender. And it's a shame that both of them got left off. I understand the process. You need one person from each team, and that's going to lead to, unfortunately, good players getting left off. But I guess in the bright side of things is that 
someone like Marshan, someone like McAvoy, who Bruce Cassidy said is still a little banged up from a few weeks ago, blocking a few shots against the Flyers, that it's going to give them a little bit of extra rest. And Marshan certainly needs it. Um, McAvoy could use it. So that's a plus. But it's just when it's painfully obvious against several players who have been snubbed, there needs to be some sort of overhaul with the voting and kind of figure out maybe it's coaches, the, the play of the peers, um, something different where it's not just completely dependent on the fans. Yeah, very well said, Lauren. I just think there needs to be some sort of a, a happy medium there uh, where, you know, you, you have players who deserve to get in. You know, the, the fact that uh, the NHL has kind of adopted the, the MLB mentality where uh, every team needs to be represented by a player. Like, listen, I, I know you want a reason for fans of the Arizona Coyotes uh, to, to tune in, but this should be an outlet for the league's best, very best players. Um, so the fact that we, you know, we have, uh, you know, players from every team getting in, uh, you know, over players, uh, again, like, you know, maybe Brad Marchand, who, who should be, uh, you know, getting a nod to the all-star team. It's, it's frustrating. Uh, Mike, wanted to, to hear your thoughts on some potential all-star snubs and just your thoughts in general on, uh, on the all-star game voting process. Yeah, I, I never like fan voting either. And again, I, I get the idea that it's like you said, Mark, it's who the fans want to see. But a lot of times it end up it ends up being, you know, certain teams or certain fan bases can can sway the vote. Right. I remember when uh, the Major League Baseball used to do the I don't know if they still do it, actually, the you know, you vote for the last person when they started doing that, I think a Red Sox player won it the first like three or four years. And I was always super excited that they were the one who got in, but it was like, well, the reason why that happened is because Boston fans just flooded the votes. Um, so, I mean, I don't know, there, there should be a level of, of league input, player input, coach input, things like that. Um, obviously Marshawn is the big one. He should be getting heart consideration and he's not an all-star. That's just ridiculous to me. Um, they did correct their mistake with Kadri, like you said, and um, Troy Terry from my Anaheim Ducks out here. He should have been in from the jump. The fact that he wasn't, he's got over 20 goals already. He's absolutely unreal. And then if we're just going to stay on the West Coast, because that's sort of what I do, um, Trevor Zegras. Like, how are you not going to have Trevor Zegras? He's the most exciting guy in the league right now. His, you know, he's, he's got 10 goals and, you know, a similar amount of assists, maybe like 14, 15 assists. So he's not lighting the world on fire from a point standpoint, but he's, he's one of the most fun guys in the league to watch right now outside of Connor McDavid. And he's going to be sitting at home and it just doesn't make sense. So yeah, definitely some snubs. Marshawn is borderline criminal. I agree with you, Lauren. Um, and, you know, there's just, there's a few, I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's weird having one without Sidney Crosby. So it's, it's just, it's, an, it's interesting. Yeah. Luckily, Troy Terry did end up getting in from the, uh, the, the fan, the, you know, fan extra player vote, but yeah, just the fact that he wasn't on there to begin with was, was very odd. Uh, and again, I just, I, I think it's, you need to overhaul the, the idea that every team needs a player. Like, you know, it, if I'm, a fan of a, of a team that, uh, you know, no one's really standing out or my best players, you know, not really of the elite of the elite. I'm going to understand, you know, I, I, if I'm still a, if I'm a fan of the game, 
I'm still going to understand that, uh, you know, even though I don't have a player representing my team that, you know, I'm seeing the very best players in the league. It's just, it's weird to see uh, some of the very best players sitting at home and uh, just so every team can be represented. I, I, I don't think that's how you grow the game uh, is, is necessarily having players who, you know, are just the best players on a certain team that might not be the elite of the elite. Um, so yeah, we, we really do need to overhaul the, this process. Hales, how about yourself, you know, not to pick on the flyers necessarily, but, you know, would you sacrifice having a flyer representative if it meant that you have the very best players in the league uh, represented in the all-star game? Absolutely. I mean, first off, the flyers this year are not much to, to go on, uh, not doing so great. So, you know, I feel like something like an all-star game, I mean, you want literally what it says. You want the all-stars, you want the players that are playing the best in the league. And if that's not a player on your team, then maybe your team needs to make some changes. And so I feel like where we're at right now with the system, it's just not working. Players who are playing better than everybody else in the league should not be left off just because of that rule. I do not agree. I don't like it. Yeah. So hopefully we can see, you know, some, uh, some change to all-star voting in the near future. Um, and, uh, you know, how these teams are selected because it, it just, it, it's, it's not fair to the fans to, to be perfectly honest. And I, I know that we just spent a bunch of time saying that the fans, are the ones picking the team, but, you know, like we saw with the John Scott incident, uh, you know, several years back, fan voting can be, you know, online popularity contests or, you know, a, like a, a gag, a bit to, to you know, get a player elected to the team. You, you know, you got to be able to, to, you know, have a better way. And it has to be, you know, 50% uh, peer voted um, and, uh, and, you know, 50% fan voted. Maybe that's a, a way to improve things or maybe just expand the teams in general, you know, or, you know, I know that you have the skills competition, maybe expand the, the, uh, the skills competition to make the, you know, the night before the all-star game, uh, you know, all-star Saturday night, um, make that uh, a more compelling event to watch. Uh, so, you know, there's, there's a number of ways that you could do it. So hopefully the league looks into that because, you know, it's just, it's a crime not having uh, some of the very best players in the sport involved in the all-star game. Uh, so with that being said, I did want to move on and, uh, and talk about, uh, you know, some of the, you know, the, the teams that have, uh, have, you know, really let us know, uh, you know, that they're serious or if they're not so serious, maybe they're, they're more pretender than contender. Uh, over these last uh, two and a half weeks, really, since we last recorded. So, Lauren, we'll start with you. Um, you know, what teams have really caught your eye over the last uh, last couple of weeks in both a positive and negative fashion? Who's really, uh, you know, who's got you, uh, you know, smiling? Who's got you wincing? Um, the Bruins are really beginning to impress me. And I know a few months ago, they were the ones kind of that were disappointing me. But, you know, they are losing right now three to one. But They've won the last five games and it's really what stood out to me the most is that Bruce Cassidy finally broke up the first line and it seems to be working. And this isn't just like three or four game sample size. This is now we're in halfway through January. He started the new lines in beginning of the month and it's just, everyone's clicking. I don't know if it's more motivation for Pasternak to try to work toward getting back to the first line um, or maybe he saw it as a demotion, even though he's still playing with incredible people. Eric Halla all of a sudden is a second line center and looks incredible doing it. You're getting the best out of Craig Smith because he's on the top line playing with Bergeron and Marchand. That's going to bring out the best in everyone. 
and their defense is a little banged up with uh, everyone having COVID and the uh, injuries. So it's um, and they're still winning games. So even though you know they did get Grizzly back tonight, Connor Clifton returned, but you still Zaboral's gone for the year. Um, John Mike Riley just went into COVID protocol. Uh, like I said, John Moore is injured. So they're, they're dealing with the injuries here, but you're also, everyone's starting to have that next man up mentality. We haven't seen that from the Bruins in a very long time. So they've certainly been catching my eye. Um, I'm sure they're going to get pummeled tonight, like nine to one, because I'm talking highly of them, but, um, and as for disappointing, um, sorry, Haley, but the flyers are just not good right now. Um, I think they've lost seven in a row maybe um and it's just every time I read up on them it just seems like it's getting worse like they're just not they don't know how to win anymore so I think as much as I you know would love to have an opportunity again to crap on Buffalo that I'm gonna not do that anymore this episode I think they've suffered enough um but they can't the Flyers can't win Eight in a row. Thank you, Mike. Um, I saw your fingers go up, but I was watching um, the Bruins go down four to one. So, <laughs> um, but it's just, it's bad. It's the bad hockey. Um, and my abs, always my abs go abs. You'll never disappoint me. So. Yeah. Uh, Lauren, we're, we're not going to, going to allow this first period, which has been incredibly ugly by the Bruins to, to uh, distort the fact that uh, they have been exceptional lately. I think they're, uh, seven and one or eight and one since uh, they decide made the the decision to uh, to switch up the lines. Which I know that Bruce Cassidy has done this in in you know sometimes in in, in couple times in years past, but he would do it for like a period or two. Uh, you know, like if they were struggling during a game, uh, you know, he'd he'd break up the uh, the so and so uh, so called perfection line uh, for like a couple periods, and when nothing would come of it, he'd be like, ah, you know, let's scrap that idea. If you're gonna try it. Uh, and, and try and, and, you know, create two uh, top lines, essentially, you need to try it for more than just a game, uh, you know, or parts of a game. Um, so, oh my God, this is even uglier. The Hurricanes just went up five to one. Uh, this is just the ugliest period I have seen um, from, uh, from the Bruins. Uh, but regardless of uh, the fact that uh, they're getting pummeled tonight, they have looked exceptional lately. Um, and, uh, you know, it looks like it'll be, you know, eight and two, uh, as opposed to eight and one, but, uh, since the new year, but, uh, you know, they have been playing really well. Mike, how about, uh, how about yourself? Uh, you know, who's really catching your eye uh, over these last couple of weeks, uh, both in a positive and negative fashion. Yeah, I'm going to put my foot down and stick with you all and say that I'm going to go with the Boston Bruins tonight, notwithstanding, um, Haley just put in the chat, they're playing like the Patriots defense tonight. And that's very accurate. They just can't make any stops right now. Okay. But that's fine. They have, they've won eight out of nine in the new year. The 2022 Boston Bruins have been on fire again tonight, notwithstanding. And you both made the points. It's just switching up that, that top line or the top two lines was what needed to happen. And I, it has failed a couple times in the past, as you mentioned, but it wasn't really committed to it. And I've, I found myself recently, like, can we just try it again? And, and then they did and it worked and just keep it, just keep it going. Don't, don't question it. Trust the process, whatever you want to say, just get these guys skating together, get them playing good hockey. This is a very talented, uh, very talented club 
for the disappointments. And I don't know if maybe I'm stealing this from my host here, but I think since Mark called out the Edmonton Oilers, I don't think they've won a game. Correct. So they've lost something like seven in a row as well at this point, or so I don't know, some, some ridiculous number like that. And does anyone look less excited about their station in life than Connor McDavid at his press conferences after Edmonton Oilers games right now? It's just for someone who is so gosh darn good at hockey, he looks so miserable right now. We need to free Connor McDavid from the Edmonton Oilers and uh, that team. I don't know what's wrong. They have two of the best offensive players on the planet and they're just, they can't win games right now. Yeah. I mean, listen, I'm not one to toot my own horn. Eh, just kidding. I do it all the time. Uh, but yeah, I, I literally don't think that the Oilers have won a single game since I made that, uh, that prediction that they would miss the playoffs. And as of right now, they, yeah, they've, they're, they've removed themselves from the playoff picture entirely. Uh, still plenty of games to go. Uh, and, you know, they, they do have some games in hand on the teams in front of them, so they could turn it around. But the fact that we're even talking about this, uh, when they have two of the very best players in the sport is just, is, is ridiculous. Uh, that, you know, that team continues uh, to have a massive problem in the net. Uh, it, it will be, it continue to be a problem until they address it. They, they, for some reason seem to think they can put any run of the mill goaltender uh, out there and, you know, they'll be carried by the fact that they have tremendous scoring uh, offensive output. Not the case. You know, they, they, they had every opportunity to trade for a guy like Marc-Andre Fleury last summer and they didn't do it for whatever reason. I mean, you, you know, you could have easily had, uh, you know, Vegas retain some salary uh, to, to you know, get them to, uh, to move on uh, you know, and maybe give them a better return. And they just continue to put, uh, you know, the, the Mike Smiths of the world or, or, or other run-of-the-mill goalies out there. I don't get it. They're just absolutely pathetic. Um, and I stand by my assessment that uh, I feel vindicated that, uh, that the Oilers uh, look like they might miss the playoffs. Uh, so we'll have to see how things go from them uh, from there. Hales, how about yourself? Who's really caught your eye over these last couple of weeks? You know, Lauren doesn't have to apologize because the Flyers are also on my shit list for um, not impressed. I actually was able to watch some Flyers hockey with my grandfather, which if you guys have read the article I did about my sports teams, my grandfather is why I'm a Flyers fan. And unfortunately, it was just constant disappointment and constant, why are they the way that they are? They're just so bad right now. I really hope that, you know, I don't have any more hope for this season for them when it comes to the playoffs. Like, that's just not happening. But in the offseason, you know, trading away some players and bringing in some new maybe some younger players and, and try to see what they can do, try to turn the team around because I just feel like the last few seasons have just not been great. Honestly, it, it's hard to remember a year where they were really fantastic right now. I was a lot younger. Um, so I look forward to the Flyers doing that and hopefully that my prediction will be like Mark's and it'll come true and Claude Giroux will go to another team to a more playoff looking team than the flyers uh maybe to finish out finish out his career and then as for impressing i know mark you talked about the golden knights earlier and as much as i hate their jerseys they are playing well they are at the top of the pacific division but i just feel like that division really is like it's all right the fact that you know the sharks are kind of up there in the top four spots it's probably thanks to Edmonton, honestly, losing so many games in a row. 
But I mean, the Sharks did, like you said, scored five goals off one player. So who knows? Maybe, maybe the Sharks are making a run for it too. Timo Meyer is one of the players that I actually did root for whenever I was forced to root for the Sharks um, in my previous relationship. I really did like Meyer. I would enjoy seeing him on another team. Maybe the Flyers. There you go. I mean, I know that that uh, especially from the Sharks' perspective, I know that uh, Hurdle is a player who could potentially be on the move. Uh, who knows if if Meyer winds up moving as well. Uh, you know, based on that last goal game alone, they certainly could. Uh, you know, try and drive up uh, the, the price if so, but the, but the Sharks are fighting for a playoff spot. So maybe everyone stays put, maybe they like to add as opposed to selling, but uh, very well said Hales. As for myself, and before I talk about uh, teams that have been impressing, I just got to mention the, one of the, the goals that the Bruins just let up in what has been just a, an onslaught of first period goals for uh, Carolina, the Bruins trail five to one after one period. It, we if we've sounded at all distracted during the second half of the show is that we, we, you know, look up at our screen to see another goal uh, going, going into, into the net for Carolina. Uh, Erho Bakanainen clears the puck from a defensive zone. Uh, you know, he uh, puts it right in front of Connor Clifton, presumably so that Clifton can, you know, grab the puck and, and uh, you know, head up ice. And instead Clifton decided to just stand there and stare at it only to see a hurricanes player, pick the puck right up, uh, get easy entry into the offensive zone because, again, Clifton was standing there flat-footed and go uh, right in for uh, for, for a, a clear shot on net and goal against Tuka Rask. I mean, the Bruins have just played absolutely zero defense in this game. Maybe they'll shock us and come back to score five unanswered and, uh, and win the game after we uh, we stop recording, but uh, it certainly looks like this is not their night. Uh, you know, they have been playing so, so well, as everyone has mentioned, and you know, sometimes you just have a stinker and this is certainly qualifies. <laughs> um, but in terms of teams that are impressing me at the, at the moment, I, I gotta give a shout out uh, to, uh, to the Nashville predators. Um, you know, they, they had won I think six or seven in a row. They did lose at the hands of the Boston Bruins over the weekend, but uh, they were absolutely scorching hot. Uh, they, they're, they're currently sitting uh, just two points behind Lauren's abs, uh, although the abs do have uh, four games in hand on them. So that looks like a pretty secure lead at the moment. But, uh, you know, they're, they're right there with St. Louis uh, for, you know, to, to fight over second in that central division. The aforementioned uh, Vegas Golden Knights getting into first place. Um, you know, they, they need to pick things up a little bit, and that'll certainly happen when Jack Eichel returns to the lineup. But as of right now, uh, they're, they're looking pretty strong over there in the Pacific uh, you know, they, they do look, uh, do look pretty strong at the moment. And I also got to give a, uh, a little bit of a shout out uh, to the Pittsburgh Penguins. They continue to play just incredible hockey uh, pretty much ever since the Red Sox decided to own, uh, to buy them. Uh, they've played in, in incredible hockey. They've actually, uh, they, they were in the top wildcard spot. They've actually leapfrogged Washington in the metropolitan division. Uh, and so, they, uh, they, they're actually, uh, you know, in, in a, uh, a playoff spot there and, and could potentially pass Carolina soon. Although Carolina does have a couple games in hand on them as well. Uh, but that metropolitan division is very, very competitive as for teams that are, are not really, uh, you know, make me feel so hot at the moment. Uh, I gotta mention, uh, my Islanders. Now I know that they have had a zillion games uh, postponed because of, uh, of COVID-19, but uh, they continue to, uh, to you know, sit far beyond a playoff spot at the moment. 
Um, you know, they, they, they have just 30 points. Uh, you know, they're, they're barely ahead of Buffalo, although again, Buffalo does have uh, several uh, games played more than them, but it just, it's not looking too good for the, uh, for the Islanders at the moment. And additionally, the, the Ducks, the Ducks were one of the, the feel good stories in the first half of this season. They still currently sit third in the Pacific, uh, just a few points behind Vegas. So they're right there, but they have, they've gotten a bit cold lately. So uh, we're hoping the Ducks really, uh, really start to, to heat up again soon. And I, I just got to talk about uh, the, the elephant in the room. Like we mentioned, the Edmonton Oilers, they have plummeted from grace. I don't love seeing it. Uh, I like being correct, but you know, I, I'd like for them to be good. I want to see more games of Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl in the playoffs, not less. You know, usually it's them. You know, you know, having a what looks like they could be a promising, uh, you know, playoff run, only to lose in the first round. Now they might not even get there in general. So we'll see what happens there. But yeah, I certainly am not impressed with what I see at the moment. One thing to note before we, uh, we get everyone's empty netters and, and wrap up uh, tonight's show, I did want to, uh, uh, to mention uh, a, a really cool thing, and that was the fact that, you know what, I'm going to save this. I'm going to save this for my empty netter, actually. Never mind. Uh, I'm going to call an audible there. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, so I, I do want to go around to each of my line mates and get their empty netters before we wrap up tonight's episode. So Lauren, we'll start with you. Uh, any empty netters, any closing thoughts as we wrap up tonight's episode? Yeah, uh, nothing at all to do with hockey. But if if you ever are thinking of skipping your cake tasting for your wedding, don't do it. It was the best thing I ever did yesterday. I had so much cake. We still have so much cake left over. And the lovely latest lady gave us cookies to take home. I never knew there was so much frosting, fillings, cake flavors. And it was the best, best experience of my life. Do not skip the cake tasting. Yeah, Lauren, I'm just going to throw it out there. I mean, uh, we don't live too far from one another. I mean, if you need someone to, you know, to kind of take care of some of the reject cakes, the ones that you're not going to choose, uh, you, you want to get the taste out of your mouth. Uh, <laughs> I'm happy to, uh, to, to sample some of the, the loser cakes uh, for you. Just tossing it out there. That's very, very generous of you. You can have the carrot cake if you'd like. <laughs> Listen, that's not an insult. I love carrot cake. Uh, oh, you know, so, it was, so it was okay. It was it was very light, which was nice. But I was so I was like, oh, I should have said that carrot cake is out of the question. But yeah, I mean, carrot cake is certainly not a wedding cake. Uh, let's be clear. But uh, you know, for like 364 other days out of the year, uh, a fantastic dessert. Uh, so yeah, d- definitely send that my way. I'll happily gobble it up. Got you. Um, but yeah, the big day uh, ever approaching. So uh, we're we're happy for. Lauren and Derek getting ready uh, for uh, for the big day and uh, you know hopefully uh, a special guest from the Buffalo Sabres uh, you know shows up you know we're still keeping our fingers crossed. Um, Mike how about yourself any empty netter as we wrap up tonight's episode? So Mark I I doubt this had to do with what you were gonna say but um, a FTF colleague of ours specifically wanted us to address the um, former high school hockey coach at his high school name of Bill Belisle, um, Mount St. Charles high school. He was the hockey coach from seven from since 1975, just passed away at 92 years old. Um, he won 26 consecutive state championships uh, over 41 years. He won 32 state championships, 990 wins, multiple first overall draft picks into the NHL. Um, I didn't know about this person, but our, our 
colleague, um, you know, went to the school and it was, you know, said it was a living legend in the town. So I just wanted to give a shout out to former uh, Mount St. Charles head hockey coach, Bill Belisle, who died about a week and a half ago at 92 years old. Thank you very much. I did have a note to mention that, but that was not my, uh, my, I did have another note for empty netter. So thank you for bringing that up, Mike. Um, you know, always great to, to hear about uh, the legacy of, of great hockey people who, uh, you know, who make the game a better place for young athletes. We've certainly heard plenty of stories about, uh, you know, people who, who make it a, a not so safe place for young athletes. So, uh, you know, obviously condolences to the, uh, the Belial family, but uh, happy to hear that so many people were so affected positively uh, by everything he did in the hockey community uh, over the years. Hey, also about yourself, any closing thoughts and empty netter for, uh, for tonight's show? Yeah, um, also not hockey related, just if everybody could keep my doggy Pepper in their thoughts. She just has this weird spot on her stomach. And so I'm taking her to the vet um, as soon as they have an opening, which right now is Monday. I might be able to convince them sooner because I am a uh, paranoid dog mom. And so if it gets worse tomorrow, then I'll be calling them back. But yeah, I just hope that it's nothing crazy. Maybe just a scratch, hopefully. Well, hopefully it's nothing, probably is nothing, but uh, you know, you're, you're a great dog mom for, uh, for taking precaution. And uh, our, our thoughts are definitely with one of our four Snipe and Sully mascots uh, in Pepper uh, as, uh, as she uh, you know, gets uh, hopefully through what's a, a very painless vet appointment. And uh, you know, hopefully uh, it's just uh, a little bit of worry and, and no, uh, no real concern. Um, so uh, we're, we're, we're pulling for Pepper and we know that our listeners are as well. As for myself, I had, uh, you know, two final thoughts, one hockey related, one not hockey related. And uh, the, the first is a cool moment. Uh, this is what I was going to mention earlier. Uh, I wanted to save it for the end. Uh, so the other night, ESPN, specifically ESPN Plus, uh, you know, we talked about, uh, you know, how uh, this has been such a landmark day uh, for, uh, for women's hockey. And this was a cool moment for, uh, for ESPN uh, this over this past week. Uh, ESPN Plus aired their first broadcast with an all-female announcing team. So the trio of Leah Hextall, Linda Cohn, and Cassie Campbell-Pascal. Um, I don't think there's any relation to Lauren there, um, but uh, maybe she, okay, yeah, no relation. Uh, yeah, uh, fantastic that they were able to, uh, to call a, uh, they called the Coyotes and uh, Canadians game. Really cool uh, moment, and hopefully it becomes more common on ESPN. So it's not necessarily noteworthy. It's just uh, you know a common occurrence, but in the short term, very fantastic uh, for hockey for women, you know uh, for people who are uh, just tuning in for a different voice during their broadcasts. Really cool. And the final thought is it's non-hockey related, but I did want to mention it because you know sometimes we see uh, celebrity deaths and you know people think oh well you know I didn't know this person. Um, but, you know, sometimes there are people who have a, an impact in your lives. And, um, you know, over the last week, we lost a, a fantastic funny man in Bob Saget um, and someone who I certainly grew up watching. I, anyone who knows me even a little bit knows that I am absolutely obsessed with Full House. Uh, it was one of my favorite shows to watch growing up. Um, and so Danny Tanner was uh, one of the Hall of Fame TV dads. Bob Saget was someone who people were... Uh, kind of shocked how kind of crude and dirty his uh, his stand-up comedy was 
uh, but he is someone that you know you've seen an outpouring of condolences for. Everyone absolutely loved him. Seems like he was just a tremendous human being. Uh, he was also the voice of uh, the future wiser Ted on How I Met Your Mother, another uh, favorite show of mine. Hated the finale though, um, but that's a story for another day. Uh, so you know, rest in peace to Bob Saget. Again, not hockey related, but you know, a, a death that it definitely hit me hard. I've been binging Full House pretty hard uh, in the days uh, since uh, that I, you know, we got the news. Um, so you know, our thoughts are with anyone who has taken this loss hard. And of John Stamos specifically. Uh, it seemed like he's taking this really, really hard. The two of them were very close for, you know, 35 years. Uh, so, um, you know, even though this was a celebrity death in general, make sure that you tell the people in your life that you care about them every chance you, you can, because life is fragile and, you know, people can go in an instant. So never hesitate to tell the people that you care about, that you care about them. Um, so, you know, Take that uh, to uh, take that to heart. That's going to do it for tonight's episode. I want to go around to each of my line mates and have them let our listeners know where they can be found online. Lauren, we'll start with you. I know it's a long laundry list of places that you can be found, uh, but where can all of our listeners find you? You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok at la 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 Lauren three laws Lauren with four R's. You can find all of my written work on Nesson.com. There's tons and tons of Bruin stuff now um with it with them playing so well and everything going well for them right now um you can also hear me once a week on the Nesson Bruins pod you can also hear me um co-hosting the Lockdown Red Sox podcast Monday through Friday Monday Wednesday Friday three days a week until this lockout hopefully ends soon um and I I think that's it yeah, again, very long list of places that you can find Lauren, but definitely follow and, uh, and consume all of her content wherever you can. And, you know, I would love to hear of a productive meeting between MLB and, uh, and the players uh, one of these days. And we're not too far from when uh, in any other year pitchers and catchers would be reporting. Uh, but, you know, instead we're hearing about literally nothing, nothing productive. So we'd love for baseball to, you know, get off its ass specifically the owners i will never blame the players for for a single thing uh but you know come to the bargaining table make a deal let's let's get things going mike how about yourself where can all of our listeners find you online where else can they listen to you you can find me on social media at mike roderick sd my show uh track and shield is coming back my fantastic um co-host has scripted out our next two episodes we just got to find the time to sit down I think we're going to rock through two right in a row and then drop them a week apart. I'm also starting to think of some other ways that I want to begin creating content. So keep your eyes peeled if I start maybe writing or do something else uh, in the near future. Insert eyeball emoji here. Uh, yes, fantastic. Yeah, definitely go and listen to Track and Shield first few episodes. Uh, Haley appeared on one of those episodes as well. Um, so definitely check out their episodes um, and uh, follow Mike on social. The aforementioned Haley, uh, where can all of our listeners find you online? So you can find me at CSI Haley on Twitter and Instagram at CSI Haley 91. And it does not have a lot of likes, but it has a ton of views. And my latest video on TikTok, which is about my divorce, I found to be really funny. And apparently they decided to put it on the For You page. So if you want to go look at it, I think it's pretty funny. 
Um, and then you can follow, I'm a, a co-host on two shows, not currently active at this time, but please go follow them because we will eventually be coming back once hopefully everybody's lives calm down just a little bit for people to, you know, get that time in there to do it. Uh, and, you know, COVID also running very rampant right now in a lot of areas. So that doesn't help us either, but you can follow them at Fierce and Flawed on Twitter at Girls Gridiron on Twitter. And then Gridiron Girls Pod on Instagram, Fierce and Flawed Pod on Instagram. Also make sure you're following at For the Fans Media on all socials, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, all of the above. Um, I have not forgotten about the article. I promised you guys I was writing, but in the midst of my boss leaving and a possible promotion and stuff, I've got a little other, a few other things going on at the same time. So it's still in the works. And I think Mitch, if you've listened to NerdPod and you've heard Mitch speak before in FTF, is going to help me uh, write it as well. So can't wait for that. Yeah, definitely uh, follow Haley on, on all platforms. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing that article when, uh, when it's written. Uh, Haley always does such great work when she, uh, when she writes. As for myself, I can be found on Twitter at Mark Pacelli 13 That is P-I-S-E-L-L-I. Uh, I'm going to be live streaming tomorrow. Um, our, our FTF uh, colleague Islam uh, has been making a habit of, of streaming after uh, Celtics games. Uh, they are very much a mixed bag, the Boston Celtics, uh, but uh, you know, he, there's plenty of talk to talk about as a result, and I'll be joining him on his live stream uh, tomorrow night. So we'll probably be talking about a very frustrating performance uh, by the Boston Celtics, uh, but uh, it is still something that, uh, you know, uh, we're going to be doing some more streaming for, uh, you know, different FTF uh, members coming up. So check it out. Uh, you know, just a couple guys talking hoops. Uh, we hope to get views from the rafters back up soon. It seems like no one is available at the same time, uh, but we'll we'll get a couple episodes cranked up soon. Uh, so definitely follow views from the rafters as well. That's going to do it for tonight's episode. Thank you very much to my line mates, as always, for all their uh, their tremendous hard work. They are loved and appreciated. Uh, thank you, listeners, for uh, for tuning in, and please share Snipe and Selly with the hockey fans in your lives as well. Uh, but until the next time, we all get together. Enjoy the action on the ice, everyone. Oh, you know, man, you know, man, you know, man.